Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mag. Very busy day. Show rundown is packed to the brim. Indoor, road, cross country. We got it all. Gordon, good morning. How are you? Doing good. Coming off of a wild weekend, I uh, did a Christmas bar crawl on Saturday that I came up with in Austin. I Googled every Christmas bar in Austin, found out where they're all located, created a map that was in the in the correct order. And then I was able to convince some people to come with me. And I did it. And I made it to the final bar, which was a Hanukkah theme bar. Uh, and I had a good time. I suggest if you live in a, in a city, there's a bunch of Christmas themed bars to find a way to do a Christmas bar crawl. Of course, if you're over 21. If you're under 21, then uh, I don't know. Just wait a few more years. <laughs> Great advice at the top of the show for Gordon Mack. Uh, if you're watching live or taped on YouTube, you might notice something different about Paige. Gordon, there's a little button there next to subscribe where it says join. Where it says join. Because right now, uh, we're doing a little bit of membership situation here on YouTube. So if you click join on the YouTube page uh, or underneath this video on YouTube, we're starting with three different levels of membership so that people can support the channel. Members will receive custom loyalty badges next to your name in the comments and, and, and Gordon in the live chat as well. There's custom emojis as well in the comments and the live chats. We're also going to be doing special membership only content like videos special podcasts for members as well um so if you'd like to support the channel more click that join button on the flow track podcast youtube page or underneath this specific video and we also want to see where you guys want to take it so if you have feedback um in the coming months once you join let us know what you'd like to see as a member i know i personally am excited about some of these custom emojis here that travis has cooked up yeah uh the question is are they going to be used to uh celebrate a take that i have or are they going to be used to mock a take that i have that's the question i have i also see uh there's three tiers and i am the lowest tier and you uh -huh. know i know i should probably promote people to go to the higher tier but i'm not going to do that i'm going to want people to go to the Gordon's Goons tier because, hey, it may be less money, but it's my team, and I think people should support the Gordon side of the podcast, not the elitist Kevin side. But we'll see. We'll see what people do. Well, then you got the prelim time is PR time, which obviously the highest level of membership goes with the highest level of saying. I I like the, the emojis there at the bot. There's two Gordon ones there. The one on the far right, what is that? What do you, what oh, face that's you from, Where's uh, that from? It's from a press conference in London. Were you in uh, the press where conference? Usain Bolt was there. Serious. Okay. And uh, it was like a big deal. It was very crowded. Everyone was excited to see Bolt. I think it was coming fresh off of like another like doping announcement of like Gatlin or whatever. And it's, it's the famous... Uh, Famous press conference where he actually got tested right before it, and he had like a bandaid on his arm, and so he showed like I've been tested for okay. you know right before the press conference, and that 
was uh, Kirby, one of, uh, one of the popular uh, photogs on the track and field circuit. He took a picture of me while I was waiting, and I asked my question. I forget what I asked him. It was probably something stupid. <laughs> I, 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 when I was on the European circuit, I would try to ask the non-normal question just to change it up because I was like, yeah. What are you thinking about going into this race? Or what are you thinking about, you know, all this like cliche questions? I was like, my most notable one where I, I, Pokemon Go was, was like viral at the moment. You remember when everyone was playing Pokemon Go on their oh, phone? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It became a whole thing. Car accidents were happening because of it. I wanted to see if he was, if Usain Bolt was playing Pokemon Go. So after like his prelim of 100, I was like, yo, you playing Pokemon Go? And he just looked at me like, who's this kid? And he said, no. And I was like, all right, you heard cool. it here first. The fastest man in the world does not play the most popular game in the world. So I was able to kind Back of to you guys. journalize that moment. Very good. Very well done. Okay, so again, you can subscribe. Be a member uh, to the podcast. Um, got the badges. Got the emojis. The exclusive content is going to be exciting too. We've been kicking around some ideas. We want to hear from you guys. What exclusive content would you like? Bonus pods, bonus videos, perhaps live chats, Q and A's with Gordon. I mean, the the possibilities are endless. We have some ideas, but let us know what you'd like. And of course, if you want, we have a lot of people who support the show, right? We have a lot of people who've thrown us, you know, those uh, what are those called super chat comment. You know, we've, we've had people who tune in basically to every single podcast. We see them commenting all the time. It's just a way um, to become a member, support the show, and also get something get something good in, in return. So we appreciate any and all sorts of people who, who hop on and decide to be members. Yeah. We're going into a new year. So it's yeah. kind of wild that we've only been on YouTube for less than a year. We started in, what, February or March on YouTube? Mm-hmm. The podcast is two years old, but the YouTube version of it is one year old. So now going in 2022, we're upgrading it. It'll be even be bigger and better. I'm looking at this rundown, Gordon, for today's show. We got BU, Running Lane, Valencia, US Half Champs, CIM. You got the story about the new qualifying rules for the Olympic marathon trials, if there are Olympic marathon trials. You have the story about how the 10K at the US Champs is not going to be with the rest of the track meet. It's going to be spun off into its own track meet. I suppose we start with BU because BU had multiple stories there with multiple fast races. And I think the headline for me was the men's 5,000. I think that's where I would like to start with the men's 5,000. We talked about Hoare versus Beamish, two on athletic club members going head to head. It turned out to be a Oliver Hoare show, although Jordy Beamish ran really well. To get second, they both smashed their national records, 13.09 for Hoare, 13.12 for Beamish. So the Australian and New Zealand records are rewritten. And then on the collegiate side, you had Wesley Kiptu just drop another fast one, 13.14. And then behind him, NAU really showed their depth with Abdi Hamid Nur, Nico Young, Drew Bosley, and... George Kusha. Did, did everybody get what they wanted out of this race? We had Barry Keane of Butler setting an Irish record. Like everybody got a record. George Kusha set the South African record. Pros, collegians, it didn't matter. It seems as if everybody went home happy from, from the BU men's 5K. You think about this, to just show you the craziness of the depth of this race. A man ran 13.38 in this race in a 5K. And it's sitting outside the top 16. 
Olin Hacker from Wisconsin soloed at the Grand Valley State Holiday Open the day before. Runs 13.37, which any year is going to be fast enough to get in. And then in 24 hours, he goes from the number one ranked athlete in the country to the number 16th ranked athlete because mm -hmm. everyone and their mom was running extremely fast on this track. And it got me thinking about a lot of things. First of all, what's going on here? I mean, obviously, we, we always joke, BU track is fast, the shoes is a thing, this, that, the other thing. But, like, look at some of these guys who are running extremely fast 5K times that we normally wouldn't see, like, in years past. Like, mm -hmm. there's a guy, Sam Gilman of Air Force. He went 1325. And I was like, Sam Gilman, like, no, I didn't know it. I didn't, I mean, I, I remember Barry King's name because he ran for Butler, but like Sam Gilman, I looked him up. His 5K PB last year was 1410. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm guessing, I'm assuming, you know, he had a really good summer, trained hard. He did finish 26th at NCAA Cross. So he's coming off mm -hmm. a, a solid performance, but he finished 34th in the mountain region, which isn't, Anything too crazy. And then he went 13.25. Like, 13.25 is quick. Like, that's not... Yeah. That's quick. I think there's a couple things. I think there's a few things going on here to answer your question. Uh, first of all, Hoare and Beamish, they're podcasters now, so they automatically get faster. We all know that. Grant Fisher started the podcast last year. That tracks. You and I are the only people who got slower after starting a podcast. But by and large, you start a podcast, you get faster. Two... The presence of those guys, as well as Klecker, made this thing quick. This is normally really college dominant. Or if it's pros, it's not top, top level pros. So they had excellent pacing, and those two guys kept it going all throughout. Three, I think last year, because of the pandemic, because of the cancellations, I think everything got scrambled. And we obviously focused in on the people who ran really fast. And there were a lot of people who ran really fast last year and everybody said it's because they were training for all those months and they didn't have to race and they came out of the pandemic and they were running really hard but i think for other people i think they benefit from a more frequent racing calendar and we're seeing the benefit of them having a more normal now nothing's normal right now but a more normal type schedule so i think it was all that stuff combined add in the benefit of the new shoe technology and obviously how fast BU is and this is this is what you get um is there any Oliver Horse stock left to buy I'm wondering because I feel like I was really high on Hor last year and then it sort of tapped out because he makes the Olympics and runs really well but are people still like are people still wondering about this guy are there any questions left because if there is stock remaining at a decent price I want to buy all of it I think there is still more stock you can get he, he went, think, look at his last two laps. Did you see this? His lap, like he just, he went 28-7, 26-7 for his final, final two laps. Like he was rolling on the back half of that thing. Yeah, he was, he was I mean, he's definitely setting up to be a sub-13 guy. Yeah. In the next year or two, because 1309 on indoor track this early. Uh, like I said, in order for... There's a lot of the, most of the, I mean, a lot of elite 1500 meter runners can run 13.0 slash sub 13. Look, look at Jakob Ingebrigtsen, 
you know, mm-hmm. and, and a few others. Sancho was able to do that. Um, but yeah, it just shows that he is ready. He's he's a, like extremely established at the I am a top eight in the world type guy. So let's look at this from the college perspective. What, what do you think the main takeaways are from the college perspective? I think Kip too obviously benefits from being in a pro race here because he doesn't need to do all the leading. And then you have the the strength of of NAU, um, Nur Bosley or Nur Young Bosley Kusha obviously ran ridiculously quick and looked to be. And yeah, we haven't had the Tyler Day twenty twenty performance yet, but it's also only December. <laughs> So the, the, there's plenty still to come. From a, from a college perspective, what did you think was the biggest takeaway? Well, I want to kind of highlight something about it. So I sent uh, to, tra- to Travis a link to the 2014 Hoosier Open 5K. So I've been around for a while, and we've had these, like, early season races. There was a race where an NAU athlete, his name was Brian Schrader. I think he was in his fifth year. He ran 13.40 in a 5k in indiana in december and people are like whoa brian Schrader, 1340 this is quick you know what happened right after he ran that 1340 he went pro because he ran 1340 he, this that, that mark was imp- you see and he also was like 1358 1402 1405 his 1340 was enough to get a pro contract with saucony because of i believe it was saucony because he was like, wow, guy in college running 1340? That's insane. Now, this is all the way back in 2014, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. We're talking six years ago. And now, someone running 1340 in the year of 2021, yeah. they're like not even in like qualifying for nationals. And I think that just shows there's been a major shift in the 5K and in most distance events from over the past five years where – we're just at a new level where we are now normalizing 1330s. We're now normalizing if you're a top five in a nation, you're a 1320 guy. And you yeah. see someone like yeah. Nico Young, he smashed the U220 record by like 25 seconds. It was Chris Derrick, 1348. Like mm-hmm. normally we smash, normally we break records, you break it by a few seconds or so because like, hey, but like breaking something by that much in one in one swoop is mm-hmm. is just like we're in a new world and these times mm-hmm. are kind of like we got to recalibrate what these times mean because was brian schrader that bad or were we that stupid no. to think that 1340 was great like what's going well, on here well i think i mean i don't, I don't know the details of schrader's contract or what was going on you have a much longer memory for that stuff than i do but but I'm guessing a lot of that was on potential too. Hey, 1340 in December. Well, then that means he's going to run whatever if he was, you know, fully peaked, right? I think it's, we have in, in a little bit of an, ex, you know, just like this grouping effect and, and the pace gets going, right? And you have everybody out there working in tandem. They're in great shape after cross country. And and the times are, are dropping. I mean, to be honest with you, when I saw Kiptu's time, I was not surprised at all. I thought he'd have a shot at the collegiate record. Like I, I mean, if he ran thirteen, if he broke Lowey's thirteen oh eight, would you have been surprised? I mean, Lowey's a special oh, no. runner, but I, I, I wouldn't have just because how things have been going with the 
the breaking of the record just over and over and over. And this was a perfect race for Kip to to do it. Now, maybe he'll be, he should be sharper come the new year, but to have rabbits out there as, pacing as well as they did and to have pros running as, as solidly as they did, I think was a, was an ideal setup for him. But the depth, the depth is just, is, is just unreal. And you're getting more and more people committing to the same race. And then you have just this, this, this power of the masses here. So what does this tell us about NAU? Do you think in terms of their shot um, at racking up a ton of points indoors? Because yeah, it's impressive. But if you're saying, Hey, everybody's kind of joining the party, we got to be ready for other schools to, to jump in and have some fast times too. I've already started thinking about that type of stuff. Uh, there are only a, there are only a few others who could probably get into thirteen twenties. There's uh, Morgan Beetlescum. There's uh, Ian Shanklin who's hurt. Um, Eduardo Herrera didn't run well here, but he's a thirteen twenty type guy. So there are a few others. Uh, yeah. Dylan Jacobs, I believe, of Notre Dame. But based on what we're seeing here, I think it's safe to say that NAU could put two in the top four. And three in the top eight. So I think I think Nur and Young are good enough to finish like third, fourth. Yeah. I think Ifanis Kyoko and Kip Two are gonna be the kind of the one twos now that there's no count on Mance. Uh so I think they could go three, four, and then maybe like six or seven with with Bosley. I don't think Kusha is gonna run the five K. Uh I think he'll end up right. being a mild DMR guy. Um but you look at that and absolute three K, I don't think there's any other new person except for maybe a year Nagoose? Is Nagoose mm-hmm. even gonna be in college? I don't know. This guy we saw Cooper go pro, we saw Connor Mance go pro. You'd think Nagoose would be able to parlay his making the Olympics to go pro, but maybe he wants mm-hmm. to come back to do another DMR party. We don't know about that. <laughs> uh but NAU has the ability to score three to four and a five. They could score individuals, not points. Three to four people yeah. finish top eight. I think they could get two to three top eight in the 3K. And I think they could get two top eight in the mile. Normally, they could maybe win the mile with George Kusha because uh, I saw Charlie Hunter is not coming back. He's one of the top guys. And, you yeah. know, the mile is always weird. Some people go all in on the DMR. So I looked at it, and I know I, we were big on this in 2020, right before the pandemic. But I think NAU could score – 30 to 40 points, like 30 on a tw- 25 on a bad day, 30 on a good day, and 40 on a great day. And if you're in that range, you're in podium contention. I, they're well positioned. There's a lot of people who've gone pro. Yeah. Recently, that, that could have displaced it. We, you, you've talked about the 5K being the deepest it's ever been last year. And I think, go, to go back to your larger question of like what's happening, this is a new era, I think this is an extension of what we saw indoors a bit last year but indoors last year was kind of screwed up because cross country was at the same time we really saw it outdoors and you saw it indoors with the oregon guys right and then outdoors you saw it with everybody i think this is just sort of a two-year acceleration in time and maybe not everybody got their big pr last year because their schedule was screwed up or they weren't able to get to this meet or that meet or the fields were not as deep as they should have been so i i think this is a continuation uh, of what we're seeing i do anticipate it it will level off after this season but for the time being, it's going to get fast. Speaking of fast, I also want to talk about the women's 3,000. I really thought this was an exciting race. You had some superstars from the NCAA scene. Uh, Kaylee McCabe 
getting the win out there. Caitlin Tui had this big move late in the race, made a bid for it. It was very exciting. But all totaled, you had five women 854 or faster. Now, granted, three of them are still NCAA eligible. Anna, Anna Camp Bennett of BYU does not have indoor anymore. So she she ran a great race in, in cross and she finished second here, but she's uh she's running professionally now. But McCabe at eight fifty-two and then Caitlin Tui eight fifty-four just ahead of her team, Samantha Bush. This was an exciting race and and really quick this early in the season. Yeah, it definitely showed McCabe has some speed. Uh sometimes you're not sure where the speed is. Can't really identify it on, on a cross country course. But seeing it in a three K here, she what she was looked the quickest and i mean she was able to outkick the nca 1500 meter champion mm -hmm. um mccabe is the real deal i mean we said she's been the real deal ever since she followed up her nutty comb ever since really nutty comb we're like wow you win that you're you, you need to start yeah. being talked about more then she continued winning big 12s she was in the mix at ncaa's finishing top three and now here with the quick 3k she's going to be the person to i think to beat potentially in this indoor season. I mean, Chalanga yeah. is there, I get it, but I don't know. I think Chalanga is going to have some vulnerabilities in like just like a, a sit and kick style race. She may not be 100% the best like yeah. tactical runner. And Courtney Wayman is still there for BYU. She's going to kind of replace what Whitney Orton was on the cross world, and we'll see Wayman ran a, a good 5K. But McCabe is definitely – the one to watch. She's going to finish no worse than second or third in whatever she chooses to run, whether it's a three and a five or both. Yeah, and for Tui, her PB going in was 9.01, so she knocked seven seconds off of that. Again, that that big move uh, for home from far out I thought was was an interesting, interesting choice by her. But um, NC State, DMR? Do you think they have a solid chance at a DMR? I know they're. It seems like they're a little bit more distance focused. If the DMR ended with a three k, maybe it'd be a little bit better for them. But they have. They're just so deep here. Yeah, they'll be fine with the DMR. Yeah, I mean, you run eight fifty four. They have two eight fifty four runners in the same race here. One of them. You just need. They can have a good enough DMR. I'm not sure if it's DMR that can win, but they'll have a DMR that one will qualify and one that will be in it with you know a few laps to go. And listen, when you start at the level that Tui started with going into college, PRs are big. PRs are huge, right? Because you're already starting at that high level. Just keep clicking it off, clicking it off. So exciting stuff from BU. You mentioned uh, women's 5K. Uh, Whitney Orton uh, Morgan got uh, got caught at the end there by Rodenfels, and then Courtney Wayman ran really fast. Um, looked like the collegiate record might go down for a bit there, but those are uh, those are those are my highlights from the meet. Weren't you told by the coach that Courtney Wayman was trying to run like 1550 or something like that? I was led astray, Gordon. And believe you me, I followed up with said coach. And I said, you know what? That was not cool. That was not cool. Because they put it on the meet notes. There's a collegiate record attempt. And I'm looking through. I'm like, who in this list is going to go for the collegiate record? I said it makes sense. It'd probably be Wayman Because Wayman has indoor eligibility. And Orton Morgan can can uh, drive the pace, and she said, no, that's not what they're going for. But it turns out that they actually were, and they just missed. But 
other opportunities in 2022. Yeah, we got breaking news. Breaking news. First ever, first ever member is a member of the Gordon's Goons. Oh no! My, they're on my side. My side is cheaper, so that's probably why. But it don't matter. I don't care. I'm gonna do whatever I can to rack up the most members versus you. I'm winning this game one nothing. So big shout out to Tampa Eagle, who also put in a question: What is the qualifying time for indoor champs? For NCAAs, it's top sixteen. So right now it's thirteen thirty seven for five k. Uh, indoor, I don't know, for like uh, for USA's and Worlds. We'll get into that later. No one's really running in that yet, but we'll break that down in 2022. So, but yeah, thank you for joining, man. Yeah, thank you. Much appreciated. Even though you joined Gordon's squad and not my squad, uh, if people are joining late, um, what we're talking about is joining because <laughs> we have membership tiers now. Let's change topics, though, Gordon. Let's talk about Newberry Park at the Garmin Running Lane Cross Country Championships. They went there and they did exactly what we thought they would do because they are very good. They go one, two, three, six for a total team score of 29 points. points. 29. 28, 28, okay. I don't know. What the sub, it was under 30. Sub, sub 30. Uh, you just had complete dominance. Here, I mean, the time was ridiculously fast. It's a quick course, so you have all these guys under fourteen ten, which it, prior to to this race was the fastest high school five uh, k for a U.S. runner by Ritz. But Solomon goes fourteen. Colin Solomon goes fourteen oh three. Leo Young goes fourteen oh five. Lex Young goes fourteen oh five, and Aaron Solomon goes fourteen fourteen. In between them, Zane Bergen of Niwot goes fourteen oh nine, and Riley Ho, who came in as a number one ranked mile split runner uh gets fifth in 14 10. so you had four guys in total sub 14 10 three of them on the same team before we break down uh the 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 times can you go back to that screenshot travis bring up the uh the youtube and go back like a second or two look at the crowd at this race like if you look to the to the left look how deep it is bring it up on the screen there were a lot of people there like it was a legitimate like national championship. There were there was a mm-hmm. crowd. This wasn't just like run in the middle of nowhere where you couldn't really uh, know what's going on. Kind of just like Ricky Dink cross country course. But this was like a legitimate national mm-hmm. championship atmosphere. And for them to put that together, like after Nike Cross Nationals got canceled, and you know you were thinking how many people are going to go to Huntsville, Alabama? Well, they got the best athletes to go, and then they also got a legit crowd to come and cheer it on. Like that looked like NCAA cross like mm. type atmosphere. Like Wisconsin. Look at that. Look at like that, Madison. Look at that on the screen. Look at that. that looks like Madison. 28, uh, less snow, but yeah. It's like state meeting. <laughs> Impressive. Anyway, I just want to say that I think it's kind of incredible that they're able to pull such a, a great event together for these high school kids. Oh uh, yeah. But back to what we saw. Breaking Dathan's 14-10. First things first. The course is not short. I made a joke that I thought it was short when Jenna Hutchinson ran her fast sub-16. But they had many coaches. Double check, triple check. You haven't recovered kids since. With their, with their Garmin watches, checking the satellite distance. But it is 3.1 miles. It's 5,000 meters. The reason yeah. it's quick is because of the surface, because of 
the way the elevation change is. Uh, so it's a legit 5K time. But when you see four or five people run 14, 10 or faster, it makes you yeah. think, what's, what, what's in the water in Alabama or something? Or I guess what's in the water in Newberry Park? Because mm -hmm. to have five virtual Dathan Ritzenheins on the same course in the same year, it just seems kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, this, this goes back to our point last week about, hey, how, how, how good is this team in, in history? And you're like, all right, well, here's a historical marker. Again, it's cross country. So you, you're comparing a bit to apples and oranges when you're going against, um, picking against, uh, comparing courses, excuse me. But here's the fact, the top three guys are the top three guys in the nation. And they're all on one team. When has that ever happened? Because I think most of the big dogs are here. Now, you could run this race again. Maybe there's someone that's excluded. Come in and, and pull an upset. But you have three guys, not three guys who would make a national championship meet out of a region from Foot Locker. No, we're talking about three guys going one, two, three. It's absolutely absurd what they're doing. Now, as it pertains moving forward, cross-country courses, hard to predict how fast you're going to run. But a track is faster usually. And by usually, I mean always. So if you're running on a cross-country course, I don't care if it's the fastest cross-country course ever. If you're running 1403, 1405, 1405, and 1414 on a cross-country course, you're going to run something ridiculous on the track for 5,000, for 3,200, for the mile. It doesn't matter. It's going to equate to something ridiculously fast. People can argue and debate about Ritz's times here versus versus these guys' times. Again, it's it's different. But if your legs are covering 3.1 miles uh, in low 14s, once you get on a track, it, something special is going to happen. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that special thing in the months to come, right? We're going to see these kids run quick miles, run fast two miles. They're probably going to run a track 5K. They're going to go after yeah. Galen Rupp's high school record. Nico Young went for it, came up short. I, I can imagine these three kids are going to be eyeing that very hard. Uh, maybe, I mean, imagine if a junior breaks it, right? I mean, Colin's probably yeah. going to be the one to break it. But, again, there's they have four really good guys, and three of them are juniors. Uh, I think I said in the beginning, I'm going to start now. We need Newberry Park at the Penn Relays running the four-by-mile. Like, they can do their own little – they need, to, they need to show that they are ready for the, the big leagues a year or two early for most people because I don't think th – they're going to have – Colin Solomon's going to break four this year. So they're going to have at least one sub-four guy. And those other three, I think they're going to be 4-0-2, 4-0-3. And if you have three 4-0-3s and one 3-58, that is a legitimate four-by-mile. And I think we could see something special and see them maybe finish like top three in a collegiate division. I don't know how we get that to happen. Maybe someone you need to tweet at Newberry Park or do something, email the coach, find a way to get their attention, but tell them, add to their schedule, of which there's going to be a lot of things. Like they're probably going to want to go to Milrose. They're probably going to do mm -hmm. a bunch of other marquee events. But if you're in high school and you have a chance to like do be the first ever high school four by mile team, to be invited yeah. in the college division, I think you should make find a way to make that happen. Be pretty cool. Women's side of things, Natalie Cook of Flower Mound, sixteen oh three, blew out the field. 
won by 19 seconds. Uh, Team-wise, Niwot got the win, 123 uh, over Buchanan, 152. So team-wise, things much closer on the, on the girl side of things, but individually, Natalie Cook with the with the blowout win here and another f- fast time. I mean, just underscoring that this course is is quick. I don't think anybody is disputing that. I think more is just how do you put in perspective what <laughs> what you see when the national championship setup changed this year? Obviously, last year didn't have one. It's hard to quantify it, but then we're obviously getting clear indications on the boys' sides that Newbury Park is best team ever. It's going to be a long time until we see another team like that again. Maybe next year's Newbury Park. We'll have to wait a whole year to see a team as good as this one when next year they get even better somehow. Uh, update from the chat, Gordon. Tampa Eagle says I was, this is the guy who's joined, who's on Gordon's goons. Uh, one of one. Billy, Billy born and raised. Go Nova and Sixers and Eagles and Flyers and Phillies. Oh, man. This is a burner account. Four, this is four a Gordon guy. burner account. That's, that they yeah, they, I subscribed to myself. That's what happened. <laughs> a four for four? Is that what they call them? If you go for all four? Tables? Yeah, it's kind of cheesy. That's what they say. You're, you're a fan of all four Philadelphia sports. Is that just a Philly term? Or is that like... In- I don't know. It just seems... It sounds like I'm ordering like a Whopper from, from Burger King. I'll have the four for four. Like it sounds like a, a fast food order, not a Philadelphia fandom trope. I don't know. So I don't okay. say it. But not, but I just did. not a Philadelphia... Not a Philadelphia Union fan, because unfortunately they uh, fell in the Eastern Conference Finals of MLS. So I saw that. Got that New York New York versus Portland final, Gordon. We'll preview that on Friday. MLS Cup could be exciting. Uh, okay. We'll do a cross pod What's with next? the striker, Texas. That's what we'll do. That's. Do you know anybody there? I do Can know someone. Happen? I know the the managing editor. All right, we'll have to figure that out. All she, right. she came on the bar crawl with me. So I, I we, we got to know each other, and then we'll, we'll be able to – we'll maybe be able to make that happen. People are kind of okay. confused what we're talking about. Let's talk about running. That's what we're here for. Let's get Here we go. Show. We're here for running. Uh, all right. Valencia, listen, I'm normally the marathon guy here. Uh, I'm also the guy who said this could be 202, and then it got one in 205. So listen, don't listen to me that much. Lawrence Toronto, though, won um, 205-11. I think that's significant because he'd be my number two to Kipchoge. Now, he got fourth at the Olympics, but he's won Boston. He's won Chicago. He's run really fast in Valencia. The guy's just very consistent. Um, women's side of things, field was not as stacked. So Nancy Jelligat runs 219-31. But on the men's side, it was... Uh, a little slower than I thought. A little slower than I thought. Cam Moore coming back after that accident. He gets fourth in 205-23 uh, PB for him. But it's just weird seeing 205s now. <laughs> like, I'm – like, this – this because everybody wants to talk about – well, everybody wants to talk about how ridiculously fast this year is, and we can't believe any of the times. And you look in the, in – the, the depth of performances, and that's obviously true. And then you look at the half, and it's obviously true. But if you pull up the men's men's marathon this year, it's kind of weird because you had Ikira run 202.57 in Milan, which was weird and, and a, like out of nowhere type of performance. But then after that, there was only three other sub-204 performances 
this year. So all total, there's only four sub 204s in 2021. Unless someone's going to run why. something at the... Why? It's a secret? Olympics? I think, yeah, it's the Olympic effect. Like, okay. you put all of your weight and energy and power and gold mine, I'm making up words, into the Olympic marathon. And then... Sure. The, like the fall season, it's great and all, and you're going for appearance fees. You're trying to, to win. You're going for like finish place, but like, you're kind of coming off a high. You're kind of realizing like, all right, I got to another four years to go. Like, I don't need to go for broke in this, the first marathon after the Olympics. Like, I think mm. you'll start seeing people pick it up again as we get closer to 2024. Like, I think people will, I think next year will be faster. I think 2023 will be the fastest. And then it's going to dip down again in 2024. Like, I think it's cyclical. Fair. I mean, I have to look at the numbers. But I would assume you probably consistently, consistently see an average slower top tier on the first season of, of marathons after the Olympics. So, a.k.a. the fall. So, fall of 2016 is probably very replicable to fall of 2021. Yeah, but I was including the beginning of the year, too. Which I get, you could say they're prepping for the Olympics, so they're yeah, going to be prepping. cautious so going in. There but, yeah. there, but there's just so many people out there now, and only three are running per country. So there's a lot of people who got excluded. You'd think that someone would pop it. And Ikiru was that guy. He's the one who goes and runs 202.57. It just, women's side, a lot of 217s. So it was, I don't know how you want to equate a 217 to a 204. It's tough because you got Cause Guy's time, which is just so far out there, but you got Kipchoge's time, who's so far out there. It's a, the the women just it felt quicker uh, than the men, and maybe that's because the best person, the best people ran post Olympics. Where on the men's side, you had this giant giant uh, absence with Ilya Kipchoge. Let's stick with the road. If you miss, though. The, if you miss the race, uh, the full race replays on YouTube on the Flow Track channel. So yeah. make sure you like and subscribe the main Flow Track channel, and like and subscribe this one, and become a member of this one. Is and to become one? a member of Gordon's a great, great integration there. That was just really well Not done. Not with Kevin's Very team, awesome. just with me. Join yeah. me and become Tampa Eagle. You have, to, you have to click something that says Gordon, though, which is going to be tough for some people out there. <laughs> uh, there was a great hypothetical. When we were driving back from Houston, you posed this great hypothetical. That I, and I'm not going to discuss it on the pod because I want to clear it with you first. So I'm not going to bring it up now. And it's pretty dark. It's, it goes to a dark area, but I do think we should discuss it at one point vis-a-vis um, -vis your, your relationship uh, with the running community and how, <laughs> you, would be, how you would be perceived um, if you no longer were here. But we won't talk about that now. We'll talk about Connor Mance, Gordon. Connor Mance, half marathoner. How does that sound? Um, it, I mean, I, I, it doesn't sound as good as full marathoner. True. Sounds about half as good. <laughs> half he as goes good. to the, uh, what is this? The Mortgage Network Road Races USATF Half Marathon Championship in Hardyville, South Carolina, and runs 60-55, beach Sam Chalanga by four seconds. This is his essentially his pro debut, not coming back to BYU. He's the only guy this year from the United States who's run sub- was the first guy because Chalanga did it too. But that's the fastest half marathoner, half, half marathon by an American this year. Lara was, what, 61.0. So Mance, big PR, as good as advertised, wins the U.S. title. 
This is going to be fun because I, I don't think he's going to mess around with the 10,000 too much. I think we know exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. Now, I mean, you, you kind of did a little good little cherry-picking stat classic is what I would do. Like, oh, first under 61. But you know, at the same time, he beat only Sam Chalanga by four seconds. Sam Chalanga, who was a person who's come in and out of retirement and is, you know, it's well, like when you look compared. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He beat Leonard Career by almost That's a more impressive. Okay. So how much? Leonard Career got beat seven. Him? So maybe well, Career kind of just had a bad race. Frank Lara ran 62.19. Yeah. Finished nine. Well, I'm just thinking like, like this idea is like you can't always look at times anymore. You always have to look at kind of like the field yeah, more. Yes. Because yeah. maybe everyone's just fast now. Uh, but regardless of that, it does show that he's he's going to be a guy. I I think if you haven't bought it already, you got to buy your buy all your Connor Mance stock, especially four years from now. Yeah. You don't know what Rupp's going to be four years from now, but you know Connor Mance is going to be in his prime. Connor's going to make. He's going to. I think he's the next great male U.S. marathoner. I'm I'm willing to put that out there. I think him and Wayne Kalati. They need to just start their own club together and be like, we are the next best great U.S. American marathoners. Next uh, great U.S. marathoners, Kaladi and okay. Mance. We're seeing Kaladi dominate the roads. Now you see Mance go one for one on the roads here. I think we need, a, we need to make a shirt, Kaladi and Mance. Okay, hold on. So you jumped a whole step. I was, gonna, I was attempting to be provocative, and I was going to say, if I gave you – Put Rupp aside for 2024. If if I said Mance is going to make the team or the field, like a, a combo of Hare, Benny, you know, take your pick, whoever that group is, who would you take? But you already you sped right past that no. at about 80 yeah. miles an hour, and you're like, he's on the Olympic team. Okay. The only way he won't be is if he's hurt. Yeah. You know, I don't see anyone yeah. behind him coming up that would surpass him in four years. And I don't see anyone ahead of him that would stay ahead of him in four years. You know, like, he's got career is older now stuff. that I think about it. Lenny career is older. Him on he would have been a guy. I mean, Betty and Hare, they're good. But, like, I don't see them, like, dominating Mance. I mean, when you, and when you look at what they did in college and what Mance did in college, Mance was, like, yeah. definitely another level higher. Not that those guys were good. They were all American quality. but. Mance is like national title quality and he can handle that, that effort. And he, I think ever since he won that 2020 cross country championship over Wesley Kip two, what Kip two was looked like as a God coming off of dominating indoors and his gloves. And like, no one's ever going to be Kip two, Kip two, Kip two, this. And then he's just like, I'm going to beat him. And then he beats him. And then he goes on and runs well, like Mance is the guy. And it's great because he always looks like he's not the guy. His running form and his facial expressions mm -hmm. look like he's going to fall over. Looks like he is in over his head, but then he doesn't fall over until he crosses the finish line, which is yeah, it's kind of wild. They're like, "How's this guy still going at this pace?" You know, two miles in, three miles in, and then you realize, oh, that's just how he looks. He's like the exact opposite of Matthew Sensowitz. Sensowitz looks like he's jogging on a treadmill. Yeah. Connor Mance looks like he's running up a 10-foot story hill. It's just like... But Mance, man, he's the guy. I got my stock. I'm going all in. 
I'm taking all my money out of crypto and I'm putting it all in on economics. I'm going to make a Mance coin. I should make a Mance coin. You should have done that. I would make a lot of money before the weekend. Make a Mance coin and then sell it in 2024. Yeah. I already have my Kaladi dollars or whatever. I don't even know what they would, whatever it be called. Um, Okay, but he hasn't run a marathon. I'm I'm with you because I always beat the drum for early marathon debuts. I just want to see him do one first to have any sort of confidence that this is going to work. But he should do Boston. on paper. He should just get. He should just go for it. I think he might. He's wanted to do this. Remember, he wanted to do it last year, and then yeah. he got hurt in the lead up to Atlanta. I look at his. Do you think he might try to lower his PBs a bit though first on the track? Like I'm looking at these 13:24 and 27:41. Those are really out of date for him, don't you think? Those are not indicative of how good of a runner he is. I just don't want him to get distracted and be like, "Ooh, I'm going to try to make the 10K World Team." No, don't do that. Yeah, don't try to make the 10K yeah, yeah. World Team. Like you're not Grant Fisher, you're not Woody Kincaid, yeah. you're not whoever the next guy. Like. You may believe in yourself, but I believe you may believe in yourself that you can make a tank team, but I believe in you more that you could be a future American record holder in the marathon. So go for that route. Well, he's older. He's run lo- longer distances before. He trains at a really high level already. He's got a lot of examples around him with people like Jared Ward who have done it. He is the guy. He is the guy if you're going to choose a guy. Also, don't you think the fact that the five and the 10 is really good right now might just just discourage him too because he's got to be looking at like man Klecker and Fisher and Kincaid and Chalimo this is going to be tough I just thought you know what Mance can be Mance Mm. can can be the we told you so for USATF against USATF because imagine imagine if Mance would go run Boston and finish like third at Boston oh, in his marathon okay. debut. You're talking about world. And champions. then you'll be like, "Oh, why isn't Connor Mance on the world team?" Mm-hmm. Because you made a weird rule halfway through. That would be great. But then I, I mean, but then I think Mance goes and makes a bucket load of money for a fall marathon, and I think he's fine. And then he makes the that's next true. world team runs Chicago. Yeah. Okay, on the women's side of the Mortgage Network Road Races. Uh, half marathon championships in Hardyville, South Carolina. Kira D'Amato, 67-55. Uh, Natasha Rogers, second. Uh, 69-36 for her. So big win for D'Amato. She's proven herself. We know she's good. It's just a matter of what distance is she going to pursue to get to that next level, which would be making a a team on the track or getting getting that big major marathon performance. Um, doesn't surprise me when she runs this well here tomorrow. Yeah. You, she's uh, not going away. You, you know, she's not going to be a flash in the pan. She kind of developed. She was the flash in the pan over pandemic time. Because we're like, ooh, who's this girl or woman? She's not a girl anymore. She's, she's older. She's what? She over 35 now? She was like breaking like, she was like, Doing the classic like first ever this age and up to run this fast and under, she was like doing that. You were the thing. one who was looking up uh, all those stats. That yeah, that was me. Was I was doing that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like... I guess the question for her is, or I have a question for you: is what do you, what if you're her, 
and you have you just ran 67.55, you just won US half, you know you're not going to be on the World Championship Marathon team. Yeah. What do you focus on? Do you focus on getting back into the 10K to run at the trials in the 10K? Because she didn't get to run the Olympic trials last year because she's hurt. Does she go for mm -hmm. that experience and, like, try to make a 10K team? Or does she skip it and go yeah. for, I want to run a very fast fall marathon? Or is she try to do both? Marathon. I think it's marathon, marathon. for her. This – and she'll run the world half champs too. This is her distance. I think half on the roads just sets up perfectly for her because it's long enough to where she can use that strength that she's obviously, and she's so locked in now, um, but it's short enough to where it takes out some of the variability and probably some of the uh, hiccups that can come about in marathon training. But I think the 10K... For the U.S. right now, I mean, it's tough. That is a tough, tough team to make. We talked about it last year, and it ended up a lot of people got hurt and opted for other events, and weird stuff happened, so it it didn't become as competitive. But don't you feel like you have to pencil in Schweizer and Cranny for the next couple cycles? I feel like you do. So you're really you're racing for one spot, and it's tough. Whereas the marathon, I think it separates a little bit and you can at least, uh, you have two opportunities per year with those, with those big major races. So I would say full. Well, Schweizer is dealing with the ankle injury or the Achilles injury. She was in the boot. So will she okay. be hundred percent by the summer? I don't know. Well, anyway, like, we have time to think about it. Yeah. I don't have to answer right now. Um, don't have to answer right now. CIM was quick as per usual. Sarah Vaughn just showing the ultimate range here. The miler, she runs 226.53 in her debut. Uh, on the men's side, Brendan Gregg ran 2.11. But, man, that speaking of the marathon, the marathon is just competitive. Like, there are so many, like, the standard for what uh, it takes to be in the mix for women's marathoning is just dropping and dropping and dropping. And, um, saw really good fall performances and another one from Sarah Vaughn here but that's for a like her half she set her half PB twice in this race I believe kind of like what, what do you Frisbee think the what do you think the parlay was for Molly Seidel Olympic marathon medalist and Sarah Vaughn sub 227 marathon yeah. debut in the same year was yeah. I mean it shows that, that nobody bet... knows anything about it. Like plus like four thousand, plus five thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's crazy off the board. Um, but that brings me to the next topic, which we'll we'll close on here is the the new rules for qualification for the marathon trials. These were announced what last Friday, so it was after we were recording. So for the women, two thirty seven. And 112 for the half, the marathon time, that's eight minutes faster than it was before, which was 245. The half marathon is down from 113 to 112. And the men, it's 218 and 103, which one minute faster than before. Obviously, the fields were enormous in Atlanta. This will cut them down. How much? 
difficult to say. I've seen different analysis out, different um, people taking a shot at trying to forecast what it would mean. It's tough to tell, though, because once you set a bar, you don't know how many people are going to you know, reorient, reorient uh, themselves to try to go for it or how many other races will pop up with the express goal of running that fast. But it will definitely be uh, smaller than it was before. Yeah, because you think about think about a woman who ran 240 to qualify in 2016, yeah. only qualifying for 2020. She had no incentive to go out to try to run 236 in the next one, right? right? She's like, oh, I'm in, yeah. you know? So the idea that only 90 women would have qualified isn't really necessarily true because you don't, people qualify, one to qualify, you don't, I'm not everyone's, you know, you have multiple times, once yeah. you're in, you're in, you don't need to redo it second time. Right. Uh, so I, I, if I had, a, I was thinking about this, everyone, so women was like 500 in, two, in 2020, yeah. right? And the men was like, what, yeah. 250? Ish? Yeah. Okay. And I think these new standards, I think it's going to end up being 200 and 200. I think that it's going to equal, I don't think it's going to be more men than women. I think there's women are going to just run faster. And I think, yes, you can look only 90 women would have gotten in. I think there's another 110 out there who would have also gotten in if they just knew that the standard was harder or if they just knew they had to run a little bit faster to get to that point. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Two, running 236.59 is very different from running 244.59. Uh, right. And, but I, I also think that it, it's good. I think it's good for the sport because the sport can push itself and there'll be a time when all of a sudden the 236 time is bloated. Right. And like we have 350 women running 236 or faster. Mm-hmm. And we're like, all right, we need to cut it down. And the more you cut it down, the faster this nation is becoming. And at the end of the day, I get the idea behind the Marathon Olympic trials. It's like a way for the community to also have an event for themselves of like, you know, they're not going to make the Olympics, the people who qualify yeah. for the. You know, 95% of the people who qualify for the Olympic marathon trials aren't making the Olympic, have no chance of making it. But I do think there is a little bit of excess. Like, no one is fighting for the 150th fastest 100-meter runner to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At, the Olympic mar- at the Olympic trials on the track, right? Right, yeah. So I think it's okay for there to be a cutoff. I think it's okay to be more stringent. I think it's okay to... Make it harder. I think there will be people who will still hit it and there are people who won't. But at, at the end of the day, it's, it's okay. Like, we don't need to have a mass participation race at a national championship event. Like, it just doesn't need to happen. So, yeah. I think it's good. I think I, I personally predict 200 women will hit it. And I think 200 men will hit the standard on their, on their side as well. And I think it'll be even. Yeah, it, it's an Olympic trials race. And I was in Atlanta and it was massive and it was cool to see the crowds there and the crowds were there because the fields were so big, obviously, and everybody brings friends yeah. and family out. And I'm sure, no doubt, that helped fill hotel rooms and restaurants. But on the flip side of things, the local organizing committee had to pay all this money to put on this race. And if you look at the finances for what it costs for a host city to put the bid together and put on the Olympic trials marathon, 
it's not cheap. And I don't think you can expect people to lose money and still get bidders for the marathon because all that costs money in terms of volunteers and, and setup. I think the problem is with marathoning is there's nothing in between Olympic trials and Boston as a qualifier. And there's a lot of people yeah. that inhabit that space. They want something that's a little, that's more ambitious than Boston because Boston isn't set up to be this sub elite type race. You know, it's, you got to be good. You got to be in shape, but you also can get in if you're raising money for charity. But then to say, okay, that venue is the Olympic trials where we're picking the people to go against Ilyud Kipchoge and Bridget Koskai. Like that should be the venue for everybody. You're right. It's out of whack with every other, not only every other track event, but most other Olympic events in general. So I think there needs to be, and Fukuoka Marathon does this. I don't know if they, they still do this and used to, you know, I think a bigger deal internationally to where the standard was just like hard to get in. Like there needs to be a marathon where the qualifying for time for women is 250 and for men it is 220 or whatever the equivalent is. Yeah. And that, that could be the stage, but I get people wanting to go and compete at the trials. That's a lifelong dream. That would be an amazing goal, but it's, it's difficult when you have 500 people and two, like 700 people showing up total for, for six spots and the people putting on the race are losing money. That's tough. Yeah, I don't know that you make up a good point. They have you for the sub elite runner. Once you achieve the, a goal of qualifying for Boston, the next goal is just Olympic trials, which is kind of a big jump from. It's a huge jump. Make a good yeah. point it's a huge jump. Yeah. And they kind of can make the standard easier, but then all of a sudden you're kind of like, what are we doing here? Why do we have yeah. 500 people? And the event that picks the best three, but it's, it's not a good ratio. <laughs> yeah. And I look, and I acknowledge the marathon is different beast than track, right? I don't think the True. Olympic marathon should have eight people in the final or have 24 people or 48 people to start with. Like you have extra space. Fun. Yeah. You, you, you have extra space, use the extra yeah. space, but there does need to be a limit. And I think the limit starts to come in on the trial side when you're talking about cost and then the ultimate goal is to pick people to represent the United, pick the three best people to represent the United States at the, at the Olympics. This? And that need, that needs to be the focus. What if we did this? What if we make the Olympic marathon trials? Let's, let's think about the, on the women's side, because men it's been, hasn't been changed that much. What if we made the Olympic marathon trials, the standard, like, 230, 233, 232, so fast. So only like 50-ish people were qualifying, 50 to mm -hmm. 70. So it's good. Like you're the elite of the elite. You're, the, you're top 50 in your country. You're good. So you deserve to be there. But then we know we've been talking about this world championship qualifying process, the whole like, yeah. oh, best step, Boston, this, another. Scratch all that. And let's start making the USATF Marathon Championship a more real thing and say yeah. for the other the off years of for the world's years 
USA's becomes a bigger deal. People actually go to USA Marathon Championships on World's Years, and you make that standard yeah. 245 or 242 or whatever. So you basically have three levels. You have, oh, I qualify for Boston, check. Oh, I qualify the, for the World Championship Trials. That's like the 240, 245. Yeah. And then the third round, oh, I qualified for the Olympic Trials. So you have like there's just three different yeah. tiers. There's just something about saying the word Olympic trials that cuts through and, and it's just validation for people because people who don't run even on, you know, everybody understands what the Olympic trials means. I think they should do this and they should do world this. championship trials. Sounds kind of good. No, don't, doesn't it? World it does sound, it does trials? sound cool. Yeah, it sounds cool, but people don't watch the world championships outside of track fans. So you, you have the 237 standard, right? But then 237 to 245 qualifies for what I'm calling the trials to the trials. And they're in a separate race three months before Ooh. the trials. And you take like the top 10. You could build a lot of programming around that because there's a lot of yeah. inspirational, interesting stories around that. And then people would really fixate on those 10 going into the Olympic trials, even though they'd have a really, really, they were really, like really, the really wild card shot going. Yeah, you like get the wild 10 card out yeah. of the yeah, and there would be I don't even know what there would still be like three hundred women, uh, and a whole bunch of uh, you know for for the men you could do the same thing, like there'd still be a, it'd be a huge field, a big field, uh, but then you just take the top ten out of that, and they get to go and compete at the trials, and then they also get to feel the celebration of like, like they get the euphoria twice, yeah, you know, because you have the yeah. euphoria of making that round. And then you have the euphoria, euphoria of being top ten. You're like, oh my god, I am! I made it to the, the to the Olympic trials. Yeah, that'll be. I like that. Yeah. Logistically, I, I guess you'd have content. to hold it like six months before. How? I guess it'd just be. I I do it like two or three, whatever's best for. I just think about this from a content perspective, Gordon. Like you yeah. can't expect people to remember people six months. I like run that. it by JoJo. Run it by JoJo. She's the only serious uh, Olympic trials contender. That I know. So yeah. Well, she might make it. See what's for those who don't know. Johanna the trials to the trials. Well, the trials. She's gonna, yeah, she. No, she, I think she can make. I think she can run two thirty six. I don't know. I'm putting yeah. it out there in the world that I think she can do it. Why not? She ran two forty eight so at her, Boston in her debut. So she has like eleven minutes to go. I can. Yeah. If we I mean she death. Think about anything you do in life. Just do it eleven minutes faster. That's all she has to do. It's not that hard. As I say that, we're two minutes over on this podcast. Uh, one last story I want to get to. They're, they're moving the 10,000 up. They're not going to have the 10,000 uh, at the U.S. trials this year. Uh, it's going to be in L.A. on its own. You like this decision? You don't like this decision? This decision doesn't ultimately matter. I like it and I don't like it. Tough for the college sense. kids. Stuff for the college kids. I like the decision in that uh, it's exciting for that specific event. It gets its own little party. You know, it's like, oh, we're watching the 10K. This is what we're here for. It feels like a cross-country day, you know? That's yeah. what I love about cross-country uh, finals. It's like two races. We're in and we're out. We just, we just did it. I like that kind of aspect when the 10K count just gets absolved into, you know, that, some things about track meets, sometimes it's better to separate them. It's more entertainment around that one feels more specific yeah i don't like though the fact that there are going to be people who 
will qualify who will it's going to be weird with doubling because it's really easy to double when the two events are yeah. multiple weeks apart but can you double when they're only five days apart and it might there might be an athlete out there who gets the double but truly wasn't isn't ready for the double does that make any sense we should back like, up i think and we say might part of the sacrifice reason. a spot because the person got it the reason they they're doing this the reason they're doing this though is because trials and the, the world champs are so close to each other and they're doing no, it because they want to give the, the 10k folks time to to recover so yeah i get your point um I'm trying to think though. Has anybody really fallen apart on the second half of a double? I guess there has there has been. I just don't. I mean, I don't I remember mean, anybody. Like, think, I'm not sure it's first, but like, if you just say say you had someone make the 10k team and then they go on and make the 5k team and they truly are better at the 5k, right? Yeah. And the 5k is first, right? Right. And then they go and they run the 5k well at uh worlds and then when they run the 10k they're just not competitive they're just like finishing 20th yeah and it's kind of like sure, sure. what what are we doing here why did why were you in that race if you knew you were going to finish 20th i get it they deserved it they earned it they got it can't take it away from them but or her right but i think it'd be cool if there's someone who's going all in on just the 10k you know and someone that's just going all in on the 5k i feel like doubles should be you got to be tough tough in both and I just don't like it when people have a double and then they sacrifice it at the world championship level. And it's just like, oh, one other person could have. Fair. You know. Hey, but they earned the right to sacrifice it because they were good. So, Multis you also to do it, are going to move up. Hep and yep. Beck are going to be earlier as well, too. I feel, I mean, if you bought tickets already for the no, U.S. No, champs, no, but I don't, I don't think anybody's, I don't think anybody bought tickets yet. I mean, maybe they did. Um, well, then they just announced people... the dates. They just announced yeah. the dates. How many people are going to be like, oh, man, this was a great track meet. If only, though, we didn't have the 10K. So all those 5K runners that we saw, we could have saw them two times. It's like, no, we can't. You have to see them. You, you don't think that person exists? All right. Fair I enough. I just think it's weird. With the, with, with the college athletes, I think it's weird. That's a strange setup for them. Are they? Gonna how like, many college kids were making run? the 10K? What about Optimum the Nerve, multis, maybe? Multis, that, multis, yeah. Multis? Well, multis, they don't need to do a prelim for multis. So they can still do okay. it. There's no conflict. I just, it's just tough to jam all that stuff into the season. Because the goal here is get better performance at Worlds. Yeah. So that should be the end result. That's why you're not doing it at, at USA's. Because it's too too tight of a turnaround. What do you think of such a tight turnaround? Do you like that from a spectator perspective? USA's and then three weeks later Worlds. Yeah, I do personally. I don't want them to have too much of a break because when we have too much of a break, uh, you kind of they can get hurt. You don't easier. like easier. You, they could you just don't like, like four as meets in between. Yeah, no, no. I just it should be like boom, boom, done, and then you know. If you had to choose, like, I don't like we're going break. over. We're going over here, Colton. I apologize. If you had to choose, these your three options, right? Um, awesome. some diamond leagues. Do everything eleven minutes faster. Uh, 
no, there's three options. Basically, yeah. like Doha 2019, where you had trials relatively early. You had the whole Diamond League season, and then you had Doha at the end, and then that was pretty much it. So the World Championships ended. So you had trials, a bunch of Diamond Leagues, finals. Would you like it, the Eugene method, where it's trials, world champs, and then some Diamond Leagues, a bunch of Diamond Leagues at the end? So the Diamond Leagues are just this extension of the season. Or would you like it kind of how it was for Tokyo, where it's um, spread out between the two? So basically, trials, some Diamond Leagues, world champs, and then a few Diamond Leagues. Like cut in half, basically. I... I... I mean, I was joking when I said option four, but I would rather it be all Diamond Leagues than Trials than Worlds. That's what I would want. Okay, so like Doha, except you'd move Trials till like August. September. basically. Yeah, yeah. put Trials in beginning of September. And then Doha in October. Yeah. So that, because I, I, I would want like, you had the regular season and then we're gearing up for the trials and then you have the worlds. Like no, none of this regular season stuff in between, before, after, middle, everything should be complete. Regular season should be complete. Now that's my option four. Option five is the one I really want, which is the whole four majors. But Wait, I never heard about that. Tell me about that while Colt cut your mic. Uh, okay. That's it for today's episode. Hey, uh, become a member of the Flowtrack Podcast YouTube page. You click join on the YouTube page or underneath this video. Remember, there's three levels. So you can decide how you'd like to support the channel. One of them has Gordon's name on it. You can pick that if you want, but I'd pick the one with my name on it. And then there's just like the higher tier. Prelim time is PR time one. Uh, you get custom loyalty badges. Next to your name in the comments, a live chat, emojis. We're going to roll out some member-only videos coming up soon. Again, give us feedback. What would you like to see? But first things first, become a member. We sure would appreciate it. Uh, thank you to Travis for producing. Thank you to Colt for producing. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And to Tampa Eagle, the first ever member of the Flow Track Podcast YouTube page, even though he joined on Gordon's team. I'm so appreciative. We'll see you guys Wednesday.